Today's podcast is for anyone who does vivid color or has thought about diving into this niche of our industry. Amanda Hamlin is always blowing me away and my entire team away. We talk about her a lot in the office. Every time she uploads a photo on Instagram, we are envying her work. Um, but she creates the most amazing vivid colors, and I'm just really excited to have her today. Everybody say hi to Amanda. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. I have to say, Amanda, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. We haven't talked to someone who specializes in such bold color. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are going to be curious about this. A lot of times in my educational classes, people are always, you know, interested in how to make this their niche. And there's a lot of interesting factors about Amanda and doing vivid colors, but also making it her niche. And I think that that is such a big deal, you know, as far as like location and where she's at and how she does it. Um, So we're just going to dive into all the things. And but first, Amanda, I want you to tell me, why did you want to become a hairstylist? Um, When I was younger, I actually always remember telling my parents that I'd be a veterinarian or a hairstylist. (laughs) I really have always loved animals, and I I really think that my parents actually thought I was going to become a vet. But as I got older, I really got more and more passionate about hair. And I my hair and my friend's hair, and I was always, you know, coloring their hair and playing with different hairstyles. Um, So really my love for that grew over time and it just sort of became something really wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's pretty, everyone always has like a one or the other. They either wanted to be a hairstylist or something else. Um, Yours is pretty prestigious with the veterinarian. Mine was a well well trainer at SeaWorld. So (laughs) I I think my family was a little bit relieved whenever I was like, okay, I'm going to go to hair school. Um, We're not getting a job at SeaWorld. So, and if anyone's listening, yes, I've seen the black fin, all the things. I was just fascinated about these wells swimming in the tank with these humans. Okay. Um, But uh, so I admire that you had your other choice was pretty prestigious. So um, tell me when you first got in this industry, what were your goals as far as doing hair, being behind the chair? Um, tell me a little bit about that, Amanda, when you first started out. Honestly, um, when I first started my career, I had only lived in Tulsa for a couple of years. I didn't really know anyone and I definitely didn't have a clientele. So I wasn't really sure what to expect at all. I was lucky enough to be hired on at my salon home, Berkshire, and I started out there as an assistant and worked my way up to a stylist. And my boss and the other girls really poured into me and helped shape me into the successful stylist that I am today. So I truly feel like I work with the best team and they're so knowledgeable and helpful that it really pushed me to strive for achieving my goals. So now that I've been the stars, I really enjoy goal setting. So Some of my goals for this year specifically are just to like level up again. And in the future, I really want to help more stylists with education. Oh, I love that. I love that. So when you first started out, were you in sort of like an assistant program? Yes. Yes. Okay. How long did you do? How long did you do that specific role? 
I actually did that for about six months before I was behind the chair on my own. Okay. I love that. Tell me if you could do everything all over again, would you go back and be, you know, do that same assistant role and do that all over again? Oh, 100%. (laughs) That was probably the best thing that happened to me, honestly. I feel like when you first graduate cosmetology school, you think you know a lot until until you get into one of those assistant programs. And you really, I feel like that's really where you learn everything. Yeah, absolutely. I was an assistant for two years. And I always say I, I moved mountains in those two years than I would have learned and moved in 30 years of my career. You know, for any of our listeners, that's always a big topic like assistance, you know, having an assistance or being an assistant. And I think I love hearing that, you know, coming from a successful stylist like you, um, that you would do it all over again if you had to. Yes, definitely would. So what advice would you tell your younger self when you first got into this industry? The one piece of advice uh, that I wish I could tell my younger self and that I still like to tell everyone who's first starting out is that it takes time. Um, I think a lot of people expect this instant success when they first start taking clients. important to know that it's And it's normal for it to take a couple of years to build up a really good, loyal thing that you can do for your is to take on as many continued education classes as possible and give your clients a really great salon experience to keep them coming back. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I Again, you know, I, th- I think that a lot of the missing pieces and, and, you know, it's thanks to social media. I feel like these days, you know, hairstylists are like rock stars on social media. Um, you know, now yes. <laughs> I, I, I've been in this industry for 10 years and I can assure you it was not like this 10 years ago. And, you know, you, when you get on social media, it's cool. It literally is cool to be a hairstylist. And, you know, although I do, you know, think that it is cool to be a hairstylist absolutely through and through, but you see a highlight reel on social media, you know, you see that it, it looks a little bit easy. It's almost like an overnight success, you know, just like we look at anyone in their industry. We only see the big things that they do. And so I agree, you know, paying those dues when you first get into the industry, being an assistant, you know, staying at the salon when you don't have clients and, you know, waiting for that walk-in if you have to just to gain one more client because that client may tell 10 other people to come in. And so that's the part I love to hit on, you know, during this podcast because I think it's I think it's missing a little bit in, in our industry now. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. So I, I absolutely love that advice. So, okay, tell me, I want, I want you to tell me a little bit about the vivid colors. Let's talk about that. How, is that something that you wanted to always get into? And how did you get into doing it as frequent as you do? It, it is something that I've wanted to get into. I kind of um, figured that out when I was in cosmetology school. I had this this poor girl. She came to me and wanted purple and a pink ombre look. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, and it took us the whole evening 
But I remember that being the night that I was like, okay, I really want to learn how to do this and I want to do this well. And this is really what I want to shoot for as clientele. So it took me a while. I noticed there wasn't a whole lot of education for vivid colors and the bold, fun colors. A lot of the education you see is for blonding and extensions and that kind of thing. So I really learned a lot from social media, of course, Um, Instagram, Facebook. I was scouring the internet and a lot of it I learned by trial and error. But after I graduated cosmetology school and I got hired on in the salon while I was slow, I hustled a lot. I was in a lot of beauty groups um, asking for models and I would practice different techniques on people and I would take hundreds of photos of their hair and post them. And that's how I started gaining clientele. And those girls would come back to me and um, ask for different colors. And I was able to do all of these fun things and get all these awesome photos to use for social media. And that's really what kind of drew attention to my niche. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the vivid colors, you know, they provide, you know, it's like stops me in my tracks whenever I scroll past your your photos you know on Instagram but thank you (laughs) um well I mean they're gorgeous um but you know I I think that's just that's such an important aspect of this industry you know post what you want to do post you know and I always tell people like if you don't want to do vivids and you have a client that comes in and does all of her pink don't post that but if you do want vivids post it because you will gain so much more clientele you know, directed towards vivids because they stand out so much. So I think that's such a good point. Okay. So, and another thing, Amanda, I, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, and a lot of people don't know, you know, these type of things about themselves, but you, you've made quite the name for yourself, you know, with the vivid colors, I'm in all these, you know, random Facebook groups on Instagram and I, you know, you get these people and I know you see them cause you get tagged. But they're like, I'm looking for a stylist that can do, you know, and they'll show like a, a vivid color and all these even other stylists in your community in Tulsa, they'll tag you and you're tagged like a ton of times. And so <laughs> I just think that is so cool that you have, you know, literally made your a name for yourself for a certain, you know, a certain type of work and people are recognizing you for that. So I know this is, you know, kind of a random question, but I want you to tell people, what do you think, how do you think that happened? How do you think, say there's another stylist that wants to make a name for themselves, you know, for a certain niche like you have, what do you think the first step would be to make that happen? The first step I think would just be to really practice whatever it is you're going for. If you like men's cuts, take all the men's cutting classes that you can. If you like highlighting, take all the highlighting and specialty classes that you can. And then really practice on models, hustle, put in the work, put in the hours, practice, 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 and then take photos of your work and social media is like the biggest tool to use to make a name for yourself. I'm not from Tulsa. Uh, I only lived here about six years and I started my career here and I didn't know anyone. So social media was my biggest tool to really get my name out. 
yeah, I, I agree. And social media is free mostly. <laughs> and that's yeah. why, you know, anyone that doesn't want to utilize social media, I'm just like, listen, you're going to have to, it's 2021 now, you know, social media is a tool that is just right there for you to utilize. So I love that that, that was your answer. Absolutely. We are always so proud that you use Harper Ellis extensions to create your masterpieces, but can you tell us a little bit about, you know, using extensions to, um, create your vivid looks and, you know, why you use extensions to create these masterpieces? Yeah, of course. Thank you. I love the Harper hair and what it allows me to do for my clients. Not only can I give them the fuller, longer hair that they're looking for, but I can really customize the color. So the extensions are ma- are amazing for those clients that want those fun pops of color, but they don't really want to commit to lightening their own hair. Um, I can color the extensions basically however they like and they don't have to worry about the long-term color commitment or any damage to their hair. I can do all the color on the extensions and if they decide that color is not for them it's as simple as taking those out Um, but if they love it then I've had a few girls that went from just having like fun little pops of color to eventually changing and doing color on their whole head. Um, so that's always really fun. And I just love how customizable it is. Yeah, absolutely. Even, you know, even with no vivid color, I love to, you know, put color in clients hair with just extensions without having to, you know, color a lot of their own hair, which I think is an awesome option. Okay, so what would you say to someone who is obsessed with vivid colors but, you know, afraid to take that that leap? The one thing that I want to to hit on before you answer this question, people always feel like they're not in the the correct area to make vivid colors their niche. And so like the, you know, a lot of people, they don't live in LA when maybe a bigger percentage of people wear the vivid colors. I think it's very interesting, you know, you're in the Midwest, um, is that, I mean, is that what Tulsa is considered the Midwest? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I right. Think, I think so. <laughs> um, you're in the Midwest, um, you know, and it's a more conservative area for sure. So obviously that doesn't, that doesn't affect you or, or hurt you in any kind of way. So what would you say to someone that's worried about that specific thing that wants to take the leap into making vivid colors, their niche? Uh, honestly, I would just tell them to to go for it. Just jump right in. Um, the thing that I love about color is that it can always be changed and adjusted. Um, I know a lot of my clients in particular were scared at first to have a fun color. And now most of them don't want to go back to having natural color. And it is funny that a lot of people don't think that they can, especially stylists, they don't think they can do a certain or have a certain niche just because of where they're located, but it's just not true. If you're really good at what you do and you have that great following of people, you're going to see those people in your chair and they're going to be loyal to you. When, when I first started doing vivid color and I, that's really, really what I wanted to do. I didn't have a lot of vivid clients. Like I said, I took a lot of models on so that I could get photos of that work and get that exposure and of course it did take some time but it it helped grow my name and I have people that 
drive long distances to come see me because they've seen my work. And it's so humbling and it's it's really amazing to be able to express myself in that way and have these yeah. loyal clientele. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the coolest thing. I have like a few, you know, flying clients and I'm always like, I, I, I love to brag about that. I'm like, this person flew in <laughs> to see me. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's amazing that you have, you know, multiples that, that travel to see you. That, that speaks volumes about what you've created, um, you know, which is why I admire, you know, who you are and, and what you have, you know, created on your own, um, within your own career. The next thing I want to know is you belong to something called Unicorn Alliance. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that means to you? Yes. Um, So the Unicorn Alliance is a group of creative individuals um, that uplift and support each other. Um, So they have a group page on Instagram and on Facebook. And I really love drawing inspiration from the other artists in the group and supporting them in their journey. They're just like the definition of community over competition. And I'm so big on that. And I just really love that they've pulled not only stylists, but other artists as well together to support each other. Oh, I love that. So is this like, where, where are you active most at with this group? Is that, is that a Facebook group? Um, They do have a private Facebook group for the members of the group, and I do get on there, and I like to see everyone's kind of journeys on there, but I'm really active mostly on Instagram, Um, and they've shared my work before, um, so it's just really awesome. Yeah, I, I love that. So, you know, you mentioned being a community over competition. I... I love this. You know this. We've worked together for a little bit now. Um, But tell me what community over competition means to you specifically. I really love community over competition. To me, building community with fellow stylists is the best thing that you could do for yourself and for the industry in general. You know, I've seen some people that are not very uh, nice on the Internet, (laughs) and I love seeing when people stand up for each other. So when I have a client that comes to me and they want something that's like really natural and super lived in, it's maybe not the client for me. And I am so happy to refer them to a stylist that I work with or even a stylist down the road um, Mm -hmm. because I know they're going to be better fitted for them. And I love that I have people that refer their vivid people to me. So it's really awesome that we can come together as an industry and show others that it's not a big competition there's enough people to go around yeah absolutely and and you're a reflection of that just like I mentioned earlier you know I it's crazy the amount of times that I see you being recommended um, on you know an online platform and you know that that happens because you walk the walk and you know, I feel like community over competition, man, it is so overused. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like you see it all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But, you know, to really truly be able to say those words out of your mouth, you have to walk the walk. And, you know, that's the same as I am with all of my businesses. You know, community over competition, great. But what does it actually mean? And are you reflecting, you know, that yourself? And so, 
I think you're a great example of the community over competition for sure. Oh, thank you. Um, so, you know, and you mentioned when people are mean on social media. Um, I know you made a post back in October about, um, you know, hating online bullying. Is that something that you've experienced personally? I haven't experienced too much of it. I have had some, you know, rude comments made um, on, about my work, but I just try to ignore it. And if I see it, I just delete it. And to me, if it's not nice or helpful to somebody, then it's not necessary. So I just try to let it roll off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is this is a big a big issue, and especially just inside of our industry and in in any industry for sure. But inside of our industry, you know, you've mentioned a couple times here, you know, people aren't always nice, and uh, you know, it breaks my heart when I see someone being torn apart for you know just being them and and doing what they want to do in their career. You know, I love that. I love that you're not about that. Um, but again, you know, you walk, you walk the walk on that for sure. And I think that's important. Um, one of the reasons we thought you would be so perfect for this podcast is that you really embrace what it means to be a hairdresser and represent our industry so well. Um, how do you think more stylists can embrace this idea of professionalism in our industry? I love this topic so much. And I think that if more stylists realized just how much success and professionalism go hand in hand, um, it would be easier for them to see how important professionalism is. You could be super skilled at what you do, but you know, if you show up looking like you just rolled out of bed wearing what you were in the <laughs> night before, um, do you think that your, you know, your client is going to want to pay top dollar for your services? And I think the best way that we can show, you know, our clients and our peers that hairstylists are professionals is to dress for success, you know, show up on time, keeping our area clean and tidy and just being really mindful of the conversations that we're having, you know, keeping it positive and productive and leaving, you know, the gossip out of the salon just really giving your clients your full attention. You know, the really basic things is really the key to success. Yeah, I 100%. I don't know if you know, but, you know, We're Just Hairdressers podcast was built off of beating the stereotype that that hairdressers, you know, most of the time get um, just for being a hairdresser. And I think that is exactly how we beat that stereotype is, you know, being a next level professional. And, you know, in my classes, I, I'm, I give that tough love a lot on, you know, dressing, dressing the part, dressing for success. Like you said, um, it's hard to find in our industry. And that's sad. I hope that any hairdresser that's listening right now if, if this might be you that, you know, you're going to work sometimes in your yoga pants, that's okay. That's okay. But, you know, come tomorrow, I think you need a fresh start. Let's, you know, get up out of bed and dress like we are, you know, the professionals that we are. And, you know, I think that's how we beat the stereotype and get taken a little bit more seriously for yes, sure. Yes, exactly. Um, when, how did you learn? How did you learn that? Cause you know, it, I don't, I know it doesn't come naturally. Um, you know, was there someone in your career that taught you professionalism? 
when I was in cosmetology school, we took just like a really basic kind of like intro to business class. And you kind of touched on that a tiny bit. But really, I think just my boss um, has been such a powerhouse in this industry. And she's really instilled a lot of like professionalism into all of us in the salon. And that's really, really where I learned it from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, having an example and a mentor in this is great. That's, I'll I'll tell you, that's where I learned it. You know, I worked for someone that didn't accept anything but just pure professionalism. And so, you know, I started out on a good foot in this industry as far as, you know, being a professional. But I think that's great. I think anyone who maybe questioned, listening to this and going, oh, am I always, you know, the most professional? It's okay. Um, you can always start fresh, but finding someone to be that mentor, you know, in, in your life for sure. Speaking of mentors though, what, who's your biggest mentor in this industry? Oh man, that's a hard one. (laughs) I, I follow so, so many, um, stylists that it is crazy, honestly, to pick just one. Um, but I really, there's a few accounts that I just really, really love. And so if I could pick one person online, her Instagram handle is Schmegs and Bacon. Um, she's that. on the behind the chair team and she's just, her whole vibe's kind of like editorial and vivid and fun. Um, so she would be my, probably my online mentor. And then in person, honestly, uh, my boss, Nikki, would be my mentor um, in this industry because she just really helped with not only, you know, just the stylist side of things, but the business end of things. And that has really pushed me further in my career. Yeah, absolutely. Finding, you know, the business is just important, as important as the craft. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, definitely. (laughs) So one last thing I want to, or one of the last things, I have a few more questions, of course, but, um, what is next for you? Um, you know, you talk about leveling up and, and being better, but what's next for you? 2021 just started a new year. Um, I have a lot of personal and professional goals for this year. So, um, I'm actually on the leadership team at my salon. So I'm really excited to dive into that and help be a mentor for other people. So that's like my main uh, focus right now. And then also, you know, leveling up. I'm a senior stylist right now. So the next step for me will be master. And I'm really hoping within the next few months, I'll be able to hit that goal. And then personally, I'm really hoping to expand my family. So I'm really excited about what 2021 has in store for me. Super fun. That's what I'm doing this year. Expanding my family. I love how you put that. (laughs) Expanding my family. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, No, I think that's wonderful. I love hearing other people's goals, especially right here. You know, it's it's first of the year. Um, I've been like one of my questions on Instagram this other day was like, tell me your goals. I just want to hear other people's goals. Um, So I think that's amazing. So tell me about, you know, we talked about this, this podcast too, is built around the stereotypes. Um, have you ever experienced, um, any situation or, or do you have like a fun story where you have been stereotyped of being, you know, the quote unquote, just the hairdresser? 
uh, I run into this, you know, almost daily, um, especially online, you know, you see people posting, I need a stylist that specializes in, you know, extensions or color, but I don't want to pay an arm and a leg. <laughs> Those or... are my fave. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite. Posts. <laughs> All right, Karen, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, when someone just, you know, asks you what you do for a living and you say, oh, I'm a hairstylist and they respond with, oh, well. That's fun. You kind of just play with hair all day and you know, it's just like what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I love those posts. I and we must be in the same group. I mean, we have to be in the same groups, but I see them every day. They're like, "I'm looking for someone that won't break the bank, but I want extensions." And <laughs> and it breaks my heart when I see other stylists that um, you know, comment that's like, I'll, you know, I'll do it for a good price. And I just, I hate that because, yeah. you know, charging what you're worth is, is such a, a big, important aspect of this industry, any industry. I hope everyone charges what they're worth, but yes. you know, hairdressers, especially, um, do you think, do you think that you have always charged, you know, what you're worth as far as that goes? Oh, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> you know, when I when I was really trying to, you know, set myself apart in this vivid niche, I, you know, I did a lot of stuff at discounted rates because that's really, I, you know, I was like, they're never going to pay, you know, this much if I, if I'm not 100% skilled in this. And I was always in the hole. Uh, the cost of product is just... Uh insane when at what point did you learn okay I've got to charge I've got to charge what I'm worth and I've got to up my prices I actually started to feel a little burnt out I was working a lot I was buying a lot of my own product trying to do all these transformations and it kind of got tiring honestly and that's when I decided you know what like I'm gonna work when I want to work and I'm gonna charge what I need to charge and that's gonna be that and that really changed everything for me yeah absolutely I mean I'm telling you I understand it's I about a year into doing you know specifically hand-tied extensions I sat down and did my numbers and, you know, yes, it did take me a year. I'm, I'm with you stylist when you're out there and you're like, I have not, you know, sat down to look at my numbers. We forget as artists sometimes. Um, definitely not something I forget these days. Um, I do my numbers <laughs> four times a day um, at this point. But, um, you know, old Tara maybe didn't do it, but once a year. <laughs> um, but I figured out I wasn't making any money doing extensions. And so... You know, that's something inside of our education platform and especially our master class. You know, we break down the numbers and are you even making money doing the things that you love? Um, you know, a lot of it stems from not charging what they're worth. So I think that's a huge lesson to learn. So I appreciate you sharing that with me for sure. Yes, of course. Well, Amanda, you've just inspired me. Basically, I may just be going to do vivid colors now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to come out on my Instagram with all vivid colors. You're going to go, what in the world is going on over there? Um, but, you know, I, that was one, one reason we really wanted to have you on here is because, you know, it's, it's, it's not common to find someone that does vivids, but, you know, does vivids well as far as their craft. But I feel like you do the business aspect and the representation of the vivid so well. Um, so I want other stylists to know where to follow you and how to find you. So if you could tell them, 
your social. Of course. Um, so I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active at, at Hamblin Hair. And then I also have a Facebook page as well. It is at Hair by Amanda Hamblin. Awesome. I love it. Well, hopefully everyone is going straight to your page to check out all the vivid colors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, but thank you again for being on here today. I always love chatting with you. Um, I love working with you through Harper Ellis and all the things, but I can't wait for our listeners to hear all that you've had to share. Thank you so much. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Thanks for having me. Of course. If you've enjoyed listening to We're Just Hairdressers podcast, make sure you subscribe to our channel and leave a review to let us know what your thoughts are. It's so helpful as we try to reach more hairdressers. Thanks for listening to episode 12 of the We're Just Hairdressers podcast. I'm Tara Harville, reminding you that building wealth from behind the chair is attainable. Mm -hmm.